trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Sarah, and today I have a co-host with me, Anissa, from Mama Goes Beyond. Catherine is taking a break for this episode to take care of everything she has going on in her life before she leaves for her trip to Mexico. So today, Anissa and I are going to be talking about some of our favorite books, but first I will turn it over to Anissa to give us the elevator pitch intro to herself. Well, hey there. As you said, I'm Anissa. I'm a homeschooling mom of two boys, ages eight and 10. I would call myself a bit of a planning junkie. Um, I'm a minimalist, and I believe that life is better when we simplify everything and optimize whatever's left so that we have time and energy to take great care of ourselves, to have fun with our families, and to share our sparkle with the world. So I write about that on my blog, Mama Goes Beyond, and I just started a new podcast called The Optimized Mom, where I chat about those topics too. And in your description, I'm like, yep, we are kindred spirits. That's why our paths have crossed. <laughs> so and I'm true. so grateful to get to uh, share this space with you today. So likewise. thank you for being here. Likewise, likewise. So glad to be here. So as I understand it, you start out every episode with talking about your highs and lows. So how's it going, Sarah? My high and low are really combined. So we are at our vacation house right now in Bastrop, and we just hosted our goodbye party. So the high was really coming together with a lot of amazing people in our community. And it's taken 10 years to build that community. I was reflecting on how long we have lived in Austin. And people always say that it either takes you six months to get adjusted to a new city or two years. And I feel like for us, it took even longer than two years to really build a kind of solid community. I think it was hard because I was the, a leader, like the principal of the school in which I was oh. also trying to build community. So it's hard to be both a principal and just a mom showing imagine. up at playdates because people always want to come to you and be like, well, what's happening with this? In the and I'm like, no, I'm just here as a mom. Like, <laughs> So it was just hard to kind of find people for whom that wasn't like an awkward relationship. So the imagine. high was having time with them and the, and the low is just upending that. And luckily I just read a book that was recommended to me by Sarah of the Friendlier podcast. And in it was about a family going on a gap year. And in, at the end he says, we came back and it felt like we had never left, like to our friends and our family, and we just picked up. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens, but it's a little um, sad to just not know if that's what's going to happen and, and sad to say goodbye to that. But at the same time, it's for a good reason. Oh, it sure is. Um, I don't know if you knew this part about my story, but our family actually, a few years back, got rid of nearly everything we owned to travel as a family. And so we had that experience of saying goodbye to everybody and it was hard um but i always tell the kids that our goal is to be sad every place that we leave mm -hmm. so that um you know it means that we really loved a place and that we made a community there and um the kids have really been able to keep in touch with a lot of the people uh, both in our old town and um new people that we met on the road um, they use Messenger Kids, people have come to visit. It really is possible to keep connected if you want to. I love that. Thank you. What about you? What's your high and low right now, Anissa? 
Well, my high right now is that I have been working on this virtual personal development summer camp and it's been a ton of work compiling things like meditations and journal prompts and activities and getting the community together and today is the day that it opened and so now I just get to celebrate the fact that it's open and enjoy it which is really nice just to you know join in as a participant and and enjoy the community so I'm excited about that um, the low is that my husband is about to leave for a nine-day business trip to Singapore and uh, we are pretty experienced with solo parenting, but um, the, the trips to Asia are always difficult because of the time difference. And so I know it's going to be hard to connect with him, even mm -hmm. to say like, good night at bedtime. So, um, so I'm dreading that a little bit, but I know we will be okay. It will be fine, but I'm dreading it just a little. My heart is going out to you. Like I literally, my husband just took a nap, like wanted to take a nap for one hour. And my kids are already like somehow in a screaming match with each other. And I'm like, what is wrong with me as a parent? Like I can't even hold it together for one hour without a co-parent. And That's I'm so like, hard. this parenting thing is so hard. So to all the mamas who have traveling partners, my heart goes out to you. It's really challenging for me. Oh my gosh, I am so glad to hear that I am not the only one. Do your boys just fight constantly? Because mine are are, are constantly bickering. Yes. No, they like, just to give very specific examples in case it helps normalize it for anyone else, I have like one child who's ultra sensitive to noise and another child who just loves making spontaneous noises. Oh, and I'm like, course. why did the universe put those two children <laughs> together? It's like the perfect just, storm. Just to make it super fun for you, right, Mom? <laughs> I have a lot to learn. They are, they are forcing me to confront so much of what I need to learn and unpack in myself. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yes. All right. Well, let's talk about today's topic. Sarah and I are going to have a conversation about some of our favorite books. And I am super fortunate. Um, this is my It Gets Better for those of you out there that have tiny kiddos in the house. Um, my kids just started this year reading their own bedtime stories. And uh, so I'm not doing that anymore. So now, after I kiss them goodnight at about like 8.30, I get to go and uh, open my own book, which is amazing. So I make a reading schedule or reading challenge for myself every year in Goodreads. And this year I am actually ahead of schedule. I've been reading like crazy. So I'm super excited to hear your top picks so I can add them to my reading list. So let's start with a super easy, easy question. What is your top pick for the book that has had the biggest impact in your life? I mean, what a hard question. Let's just let's just make it clear that Catherine wrote these questions before she could not participate. Uh, so she has left us with a lofty shoes to fill. I, if I had to pick one, I would pick a memoir by John Lewis, who is a civil right, who was a civil rights activist and then a politician. And his memoir was called Walking with the Wind. Okay. And I read it when I was very young. I mean, I was must have been 21 years old. I had just graduated from college, maybe 22, 21, 22. I had done a year of AmeriCorps, and then I had joined Teach for America and was placed in rural Louisiana. 
And this, I mean, the first day I got my hair cut in rural Louisiana, I was so excited to be in this town. And the woman cutting my hair was white. And I was telling her how excited I was to be in this town. And she said, yeah, Franklin used to be a good town until all the black people moved in. Oh my God. And I was just like, what? Like, what is happening? I mean, I knew racism obviously was rampant in our country, but I didn't, I, had, I hadn't come face to face. I wasn't in circles where people just talk to each other like that. Yeah. Uh, so everything that he was saying and experiencing in the book really was uh, at the center of my experience um, in, this, in this town. And it just had me reflecting a lot on the ways in which racism has shaped our country. And yet it gave me a lot of inspiration and hope. I mean, I feel like I should go back and read the book because I need some inspiration and some hope these <laughs> days. And I, and I feel like it just – the courage that he and his colleagues and his friends, like that they were able to muster and the conviction that they had and the, their willingness to act and in order to help – put our country on a better course. That was just so inspirational to me. And I'm forever grateful for reading that book when I did. And it really did kind of chart a course for me for the past 20 years of like how I really do feel like education is the next social justice movement. And it's put me in on that on that pathway. Um, and so I'm really grateful to John Lewis for that. Yeah. Sounds like a perfect case of the right book mm -hmm. at the right time. What about you? What's your number one? Well, I had a hard time. I changed it. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> I changed it a bunch of times. Um, but uh, the one that I ended up coming up with, I think, is a lot of people's number one. It comes up a lot as like most moving books sort of list. But the one I picked was called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist in Germany, um, a Jewish psychiatrist in Germany, and uh, back at the time of World War II, and was sent to a concentration camp. Um, not only did he have to live in the concentration camp, his entire family died. Um, and instead of just being crushed by this experience, he used the time to make some important observations about um, human nature about uh, to develop some new psychological theories and so the book is just super inspirational uh, he focuses a lot on the idea that we can choose our response to any situation you can't choose your circumstances but you can choose the way you react to those circumstances um, and also talks a lot about you know finding purpose finding meaning um, you know looking to serve others and, you know, serve your unique purpose and unique mission in the world. And I just find it so incredibly inspirational that somebody could take, um, this situation and, and, and get all of that from it and, and keep their sense of self and, and all that, um, as that was going on, you know, and, and, and it made, means to me that like, you know, if I wake up in the morning and had to have a cold shower or the internet's not working or something, you know, if he can choose to have that response to that circumstance, I can choose to have a positive response in any circumstance. So it's super inspirational. Mm -hmm. I just 
put a hold on it at the library. I have I read that book in college, but I haven't. You know, when you're when you're forced to read books, they can have less of an impact on you. And so I want to go back to it, and I want to I want to read it again now that it's not an assignment, and see uh, and reconnect with that. Yeah, no, and I and I love that as a central core belief, and it's something I really want my boys to internalize this idea of like you really do write your own life, like even as circumstances circumstances are done onto you, sure. you write your response to the situation. Love it. All right, so our next question was, what is one book pick you wish everyone would read? <laughs> this one's even harder, yeah, to like pick one pick for everyone. Oh, no pressure, Catherine. <laughs> okay, I picked Just Mercy, um, by Brian Stevenson. And the reason why I picked this book is because the number one characteristic I would ideally instill in every person, if I could wave a magic wand, would be empathy. Because hmm. we have such common needs as humans, and we have such common struggles across lines of difference. And obviously mm-hmm. different identity groups experience oppression in different ways, and, and that um, kind of goes against the what I'm describing as like our fundamental struggles. But like at its core, like as humans, we have fundamental needs and we have fundamental struggles. And if we can mm-hmm. reconnect to that fundamental nature and see that across lines of difference, I think the world would be in such a better place. And so this book really did that for me. I mean, it's about like following the journey of people sentenced to death row. And there are people who made bad decisions and yet you end up having empathy for them because of the circumstances Mm -hmm. that led them to those bad decisions. And I just think about how if we can get outside of ourselves, understand people who are different from ourselves and have empathy for them, it just unlocks our potential as humans, I think, to get to a higher place. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I've not read that one, so I'm going to add it to my list. What about you? What's your number one wreck for the whole world? Okay, so as I was choosing this one, I thought about who my audience is and who I imagine the audience is for you and for Catherine. Um, You know, we tend to be kind of a list, a a group of overachievers. And so a book that had a huge impact on me that I read just this year was called uh, 4,000 Weeks. And the subtitle is Time Management for Mortals. And it's by a guy named Oliver Berkman, who has written quite a bit in the productivity space. And um, his premise in this book is basically just that um, we all live under this fallacy that if we could just be a little bit more efficient, um, if we could just figure out a way to tackle uh, you know, things better, that we would be able to get the whole to-do list done. And um, his premise is that, you know, no matter how long we live, there are going to be beautiful, wonderful places in the world that we never get to see. There are going to be um, terrific books that we don't read. There are going to be a bunch of wonderful things that we never do. 
and that we need to stop trying to live from this premise that eventually, you know, we'll get to the end of the to-do list and everything will be done. Um, and, you know, he also says that as we're going through, you know, focused on this goal, we're living somewhere in the future, that we're, we're not looking around and seeing what's around us. We're not actually enjoying life. We're all putting off living until later. And so it's really been cool for, um, for me. I feel like I really changed a bit as a result of it, that I was able to, um, you know, just go through like my email inbox, for instance, and look at emails that were good, you know, they, they were things that I enjoyed reading, but, um, you know, I'd gone through and cut out all the garbage, but there was a lot of stuff that was really good that was left. And I, I got rid of some of those things, knowing that I can't read everything. I can't listen to every terrific podcast. I can't read every terrific book. And, um, there's, there's sort of a little bit of comfort in realizing that, you know, I've got this 4,000 weeks to live. Um, I can't necessarily fit in everything, um, but I can fit in a lot of things. And um, that there comes this point where you have to start making choices and, and get rid of some of the stuff, even that's really, really good um, because you just can't do everything and that's okay. So I would like to share that with um, my fellow overachieving uh, sisters out there <laughs> that are still you know, equating with, uh, productivity with worth and trying to get everything done and trying to get to the end of the to-do list. It's not going to happen. And I think this book will give you a really unique perspective on it. I just added that one to my list too. Apparently you're, the books you're recommending are very popular. <laughs> I am now number 81 on 25 copies <laughs> at my public library. Oh my gosh. I don't even, can, I can't even remember the last time my public library had 25 copies of a single book. So that's a sign. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> it is and like really two good. things that came to my mind. One is I listen a lot to the lazy genius podcast. Mm -hmm. And one of her principles is about sort of like, what can you do now to make your future life easier? And I just find that to be such a slippery slope yeah. because if you're always doing a million things now to make your future life easier, then you're actually not living Sure. Um, and I still find it valuable advice, but like in moderation yeah. and, and with a, being very careful about it. And, and I was reflecting on this as we were packing up our entire house to move it into a storage unit fun, and fun. staying up until 1.30 in the morning to do it. Mm. And our, our tenants were like texting us. They're like, we know this is unconventional, but like we couldn't get a U-Haul. So we have to move in at midnight. Is that okay? And I was like, <laughs> oh, sure. No. And I was like, I'm like, we've got to get out of here before midnight. <laughs> Oh, oh it was gosh. so stressful. Um, and and but there were there were these moments where you know the boys were asking me to do something with them, or you know. And at one point, I was like, "We're going to Dairy Queen, and we are getting mini blizzards. Like, let's go. Let's put the windows down. Let's sing songs." Because I was like, "We're not just preparing for a journey. Like, we're on the journey. This oh. is the journey already." So how do you like live into each moment as if it already is the journey and you're not preparing for something? I think my mindset needs a big shift and a lot of work on that. So thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. I love that. I just got chill bumps whenever you said this is the journey already. Uh, so true. So true. You've hit on a yeah. universal truth of the universe there, I think. 
All right, let's move on for a question I thought was a little easier. What is a book that you've come back to and reread throughout your life? This one was actually hard for me because I just don't reread books. I just don't reread books now that I'm like really trying to answer this question. I There is a book I've been rereading, but I actually don't recommend it. So that I, I stopped <laughs> rereading it and crossed that off the list because it's not resonating with me like it used to. Um, so the book that I picked for this one is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Classic. Just because those principles have really stood the test of time in my life. And um, at the one of them that comes to mind is about like your locus of control mm-hmm. and identifying what is in your locus of control. And if something is in your locus of control and it's bothering you, then change it. Right. Like don't just whine about it. Mm-hmm. And if something is not in your locus of control, then stop spending your time and your energy on it because you're actually wasting your precious resource of your time and energy. Mm-hmm. So that's just one example of some of the one of the principles. Um, another one is about you know seeking win-win solutions, and I'm not always good at doing that, but I think it's a really powerful concept for trying to figure out how to work in partnership with others. Mm-hmm. So that's a book that's really stood the test of time in terms of its impact on my life. You know, it's funny, I was thinking when you said um, that it didn't resonate with you the same way it used to. I just recently, within like the last two weeks, checked out a couple of books from the library that had been like incredibly meaningful to me as a 20 year old, you know, just to reread them and see what I thought. And it turned out that they didn't hit me the same way. I think it really is different. You know, you're a totally different person when you're 26 than when you're 46. And, uh, some of that stuff that you love when you're younger just does not hold up. Yeah, and even the seven habits of highly effective people, even though I just named this as my book, um, I will say that the number one principle, which is start with the end in mind, mm-hmm. I am actually like calling that into question in my life. Oh. And I, up until this point, I have started with the end in mind. I knew I wanted to start a nonprofit organization and a school and build a house and have a family and live in Austin. And I did all of that. Mm -hmm. And there are ways in which that brought a lot of beauty and a lot of joy. But I also am like starting to realize, I've been talking to Catherine about this, like I wasn't present in my life. I wasn't, I was physically present, but I wasn't emotionally and mentally and spiritually present in my life during a lot of that time. Yeah, maybe just focusing too much on the future. And, and to, to foc- not even the future, but also just like, what's going on? What's going on right now? What do I have to fix? And um, that there was so much in that vision that it crowded out other things. And now I'm approaching life with more of an emergent strategy and listening to, I'm reading a book called Emergent Strategy and listening to podcasts about emergent strategy. And what it's meaning for me is like trying to pay attention um, I, I kind of feel like I'm walking in the clouds and that these like stepping stones keep appearing. Hmm. And so I feel like I am going up, like it feels like I'm moving towards something, but I don't know what it is that I'm moving toward. It's just that each step is feeling like the right step. And that's very different from my seven habits of highly effective people days. So I just want to put that little caveat in there. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's beautiful. What about you? What's your book that you have come back to read throughout your life? 
Well, you, what you just said made me think a little bit about my book. Uh, the book that I listed was The Alchemist, which is by Paulo Coelho. This is another one that is, you know, on everybody's list of favorite books. Um, I have reread it a bunch of times, I think because it's short. <laughs> It's um, often they have like pretty illustrations in it and everything, but it's great. Every page is like, you know, deserves to be pulled out and put on a motivational poster or something. And um, when you were talking about the, you know, the steps appearing in the clouds, it was making me think about, um, about uh, one of his things that he says in this, which is when you are following your mission on earth, that the universe helps you to achieve it. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I think when I was younger and I read this the first time, I, I was never very much of like a woo-woo kind of, you know, talk to the universe kind of person. And as I've gotten older, you know, you start to see all of the little like synchronicities and things that happen. And, it, you know, it kind of goes from an, oh, that's cool to a, well, maybe that's something. So I know that when I read this the first time, it, it seemed more quaint that, um, you know, that the universe would be helping me achieve anything. But, you know, it, it really does seem like sometimes when, when you're following, following your intuition and following your purpose that um, things kind of come together. So that kind of struck me when you said that a minute ago. But there's just so much wisdom in this little book um, in addition to the, the, the other thing about, you know, um, the universe helping you achieve your ends. Um, he talks about fear of suffering being worse than suffering itself, which I have certainly found to be true. Um, he talks about um, fearing failure, making our dreams impossible. Um, it really is just one quotable bit after another packed in this really uh, delightful little parable story. Uh, I just love it. Okay, so our final pick. What book would you recommend as a fun summer read? This one was hard, Catherine, if you're listening out there, um, because I I am not a trendy person. So I am like not, I see all these bloggers and influencers like sharing their like summer reading list. And so I'm like, I just cannot compete with whatever it is that they are putting on that list. So I just dug far back into my past. And I was like, what is something that I've enjoyed reading in the past that maybe people we're too young to know about or just haven't seen in a while. So that book is called Ella P. <laughs> and I'm just going to read this quick little description. It says, Ella P is a girl living happily on the fictional island of Nalop off the coast of South Carolina. Nalop was named after Nevin Nalop, author of the immortal phrase containing all the letters of the alphabet. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Now Ella finds herself acting to save her friends, family, and fellow citizens from the encroaching totalitarianism of the island's council, which has banned the use of certain letters of the alphabet as they fall from a memorial statue of Nevin Nollip. As the letters progressively drop from the statue, they also disappear from the novel. The oh result gosh. is a love letter to alphabetarians and logomaniacs everywhere. So I, I really can't vouch for because like I've changed as a person. So like maybe people will read this and be like, what was she talking about? But when I read this in my 20s, I loved it and just thought it was really engaging and really witty and enjoyable. So that's my book rec. Oh my gosh. Well, I 
thought I was into books, but I actually have never even heard of this book, so I am adding it to my list. Well, there you go. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Love it. All right. So my book um, is kind of a popular book. At least it was a few years back. I just read it this year, but I think back in like 2017, it was one of those hot new books. It is called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And, um, you know, when I look for books to read in the summer, I think about the things like that I could read on the beach um, that wouldn't get uh, interrupted too badly if uh, my, my kids ran over and wanted me to play with them or something. So this particular book is, um, is set in the present. The lead character reminds you almost of like Elizabeth Taylor or somebody. She is an aging movie star who knows she's going to die soon. She's always been super mysterious and has never told her story, but she chooses a young magazine reporter to tell her life's story to. So we get lots of really cool flashbacks, lots of neat descriptions of old Hollywood, um, and a little bit of a mystery. So it's kind of a a fun little book to read in the summer. Well, I just signed up for it at the library. Again, I've now reached my hold limit, but I am number <laughs> 487 oh. out of 95 copies. So that one sounds like a, it's really popular in Austin. You know what? It was really popular in my area too. I remember having to wait at least a couple months for that one, but that is too funny. You'll have to call me in like a couple of years when you read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be like, Anissa, it came, it came, I came, finally got it. You finally got it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Well, Sarah, I think we have done it. I think uh, we have come up with all of our favorite books. So that is it for today's topic. Podcast community, you have homework. Please jump on the So Connected Instagram or shoot an email with your top book recommendations uh, because, you know, we're always all looking for new books and we need to hear what your recommendations are. And now I believe, uh, Sarah, this is typically when you guys do your tips and tricks segment, right? So uh, do you have any tips that you would like to share with us? This is for everyone else since I will not be using this tip this summer, but with summer coming, I find the glass situation, the drinking glass situation to be unbearable. Like it's just like every glass is out of every cabinet <laughs> all the time, everywhere. So here's my tip. And maybe I've shared this. I apologize if I've shared this, but we recently, not recently, like last summer, we got mm -hmm. each boy one glass that is their favorite color. So I have one boy who likes green and ah. one who likes blue. So they got their glass and like, that's their glass. That's their glass, that's it. That's your glass. They don't get confused about whose glass was already out or if it's theirs, if it's someone else. They know what their glass is. They drink out of their glass. They don't have access to other glasses. The end. Oh my gosh. Yes, this is so helpful. We actually have plastic glasses in multiple colors. So I think I could implement this one because uh, I am finding them everywhere, outside, in the garage, in the front yard, in the backyard, yes. upstairs, in the bedroom. You've got to get your partner on board though, because like this okay. is, you have to uphold consistent expectations. Like you only get yes. one glass, that's it. One glass, the glass, your glass, it's done. And if they don't, it. They don't uphold it, then it unravels from there. <laughs> this is so smart. What about you? 
Okay, so my tip was actually inspired by your upcoming road trip. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so we have this card game um, that we keep in the car at all times. It uh, lives between the kids' seats in the back seat. They have a little console there. It is made by a company called Briar Patch, and it is called the Scavenger Hunt for Kids Travel Card Game. And it's really fun. It's, it's this deck of cards that has various things that you can um, pay attention to outside the car while you're traveling. So you might pull a card that tells you to look for a mailbox or look for a man drive by, driving by you with a mustache or someone on a bicycle or going over a big bump or smelling something really yucky. Um, so sometimes we will play it as a competitive card game where we see who can get their five things first. But uh, other times, you know, because I have two boys that get competitive, um, sometimes we just play it as a family thing. And it's really a neat way for, you know, everybody to look outside the windows with purpose and um, just to make the trip a little bit more interesting. So you're not just, you know, sitting there getting bored. Um, we have played it. We, we took a whole cross-country road trip from Miami to Las Vegas and played it much of the time we were driving that. We have played it going, you know, just a couple of hours to grandma's house. It just is a really fun way to pass the time and it's not super expensive and um, easy to come by. So I would recommend that the Briar, Punch, Briar Patch Scavenger Hunt for Kids travel card game. I love that. I have not heard of that. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Sarah, I think uh, you guys typically close out your episode uh, with your facing forward segment, right? So yes. how did you do on your intentions for the past two weeks? And what new intentions do you want to set for yourself for the next two weeks? I said I was just hanging on by a thread in the last episode and that new stuff was just getting added every single day to our departure <laughs> checklist. And it was both like things that were totally necessary and just we had forgotten they needed to get done or there were things where I was like, oh, well, that would be really a nice to have. And I had to like <laughs> cut yourself off, Sarah, like this is too much. Um, so everything's done. Like we are Yay. in Bastrop right now having this little trial run. We're all living out of our one suitcase each, our one carry-on bag and our one backpack. So uh, it's going well, and we're leaving tomorrow morning at 5.30 to oh start gosh. this grand adventure. So exciting. So for the next two weeks, I just want to enjoy our road trip. We're going to Bloomington and Wisconsin and then to Montana. We're going to stop by Yellowstone National Park and then head into Washington to see some of our friends in the mountains and see some friends in Vancouver. I love it. So my next two weeks are just going to be enjoying the beautiful country. Oh, so exciting. I'm a little envious, I have to be honest. Las Vegas is probably getting really hot. It is getting a little bit hot. Yeah, we had over 100 degrees already several days last week. Uh, today's a little better. We're in like the mid 80s. But uh, my kids actually go to this homeschool meetup that meets at a different playground every week. And uh, for the winter, we meet in the afternoons, but starting June 1st, we have to move the park meetups until 6 to 9 p.m. at night because <laughs> it's actually too hot to be outside during the day. So we are rapidly entering that season. And what about you? What about your last two weeks and your next two weeks? Okay. So as I said, um, last week, uh, the last two weeks, I have been working on um, preparing for this um, 
summer camp thing that I was doing, I also had agreed to speak at a homeschool summit and give a presentation, so I had to prepare that. Um, so I was doing a ton of writing and recording and admin kind of stuff. It was just a really busy time for the blog. Um, but I was pretty pleased that I, I liked the product that I got uh, for all the things that I did. Um, I was still able to keep up with my self-care targets. I was able to keep up with homeschooling. So, I, you know, I felt pretty good about it overall, but I did let a few balls drop. And so for the next two weeks, you know, one of my goals is to pick up the balls that I let drop last week. Um, I'm also meeting with an integrative doctor um, and with our family nutritionist. Um, and that can be something that kind of... Uh, gets me a little stressed out at times <laughs> because, um, you know, they make these recommendations and I start to feel like all the food I'm eating is poison and, um, you know, that I have to all of a sudden change everything all at once. So I'm going to try to be gentle with myself as I start to implement their recommendations and remind myself that, you know, I've lived 46 years doing whatever I'm doing and that, um, you know, it's okay to do it for a couple more weeks as I as I adjust. Um, I also want to rock solo parenting. I try to do some fun things with the boys when um, my husband is gone. You know, we'll we'll go have some adventures outside, um, take some trips different places. You know, in in the immediate area, we'll do fun things like have picnics out in the backyard and that kind of stuff, just to kind of try to make it fun and not feel so. Um, so lonely that dad is gone. Um, and also the end of our homeschool year is coming up soon. Um, our, although we homeschool year round, our main spine curriculum with our history and science is coming to an end in two weeks. So I need to plan an end of the year celebration. It sounds busy, but good. Yes, that's the way I like it. Busy, but good. <laughs> all right well i think that's all for this episode of so connected i have had a blast co-hosting you can find me anissa at mamagoesbeyond.com or on the optimized mom podcast sarah and Catherine will be back in two weeks on tuesday in the meantime find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com or find the podcast on instagram at soconnectedpodcast find me sarah on my blog at feedingthesoil.com and if you enjoyed this podcast we would be so grateful for your review on apple Podcasts to help spread the word see you in two weeks wishing you joy